Welcome to the Theory of DFS podcast. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed. Blender HD, if you want to follow me on Twitter. And the co-author of the Theory of DFS, 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. Join with me, as, as usual, Neil Orfield from Stochastic, the high-stakes podcast on The Contrary Show, the NFL Strategy Show, the NFL Everything Show. Last week, I, I, was, I was under the weather. I'm, I'm still kind of a little bit sick. I don't feel bad. It's just a lingering cough or whatever. If we did the show last week, I would have coughed. You would have you would have actually had the opportunity to talk more than me. Yeah, we, we should have done it. I would have just been talking over you all the time. Right. You would have tried I, to talk over me, and then just phlegm would come out, and I just right, keep going. Right. I'd, I'd yeah. have to hit the cough and I my mute button. You'd see me <laughs> doing that all the time. Yeah. While I'm, you talk. Yeah. Are um, you are you growing out a beard blender? No, I just haven't shaved. Okay, I don't think I've ever seen you with that this much stubble on your face. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, this is like four days. It looks like it looks like you could grow out a beard though. You, you've got I, the facial hair for it. It's too itchy. It's too. It, it, oh yeah, I mean, right. well, it's only until it's actually in. That's the transitional phase. Phase. It's itchy. Mine doesn't. I don't even feel mine anymore. Right. Uh, I just. Uh, well, right. The only reason I haven't shaved is because you know, we I uh, soccer on Saturday, MMA on Saturday, then then football, and you just uh, you don't you don't have the time. We had that yeah. whole thing and. And MMA, I don't know if you played the MMA slate with the, the fight that, that the fight that all of a sudden, at 15 minutes after lock, like the line moved like ridiculously. So I haven't read about that. I've I've seen that on Twitter that there's clearly something a little fishy going on there. It was the uh, the Minner fight, the, which was supposed to be kind of a volatile fight. I kind of had a lot of that fight. I think I had more of the Minner side though. I don't know it, it, from what it sounded like to me, and I don't watch you know don't really know anything about these fighters, but from the things I listened to, it sounded like Minner's a guy who goes for the big shot early, but that makes it more volatile. So he's either going to get it or he's exposing himself. So I was like, I like that. That's what I like in fights. So I took both sides, but didn't end up getting anything. The past, the past two weeks in MMA have been really weird. Like the week before, like almost all the chalk failed. And like, I, I made like, I doubled my money even with like having no more than four wins in a lineup. Yeah. And it was sort of simple. last week we only had 11 fights cuz the Parisian fight got canceled. I I only played six lineups and I had the loser of both the first two fights in all of my lineups. So like all of my lineups had at least one loss if not both of them and I still ended up making over two like 2.5x. Did you really? The money anyway. I mean cuz only because uh all the I had Lamos in five out of six li- lineups like and I had Candelario as my other underdog. And because of the fact that no underdog won other than Lamos, Candelario at 35 points was actually the highest scoring underdog. So, yeah. like, that I, having the 35 points there, like, that's fine. And then I have 100 points out of everyone else in my lineup. And, like, it's like, oh. like Yeah. I, and that, I, that, that's the beauty of playing fewer lineups. You don't need to win. You just need to min-cash if you're playing fewer lineups. You can make money without... You know, if, but if I wasn't I even played... mid-cashing. I mean, I think I came in like third in like one of the single entry contests because I had like yeah, I suppose because there was no there were no underdogs, no cheap people winning. So yeah, the the thirty five points was enough in that case. Right. I so... by the by the time that final fight happened, I had left. Uh, we had a, a dinner party on Saturday, and I was like, I was out of it, so I wasn't even paying attention at that point. But I was like, oh, I I think I had solo like fifty sixth place or something like that in the contest, but I was you know you know still like forty points out, so didn't really have a huge shot at winning. Yeah, just I, I'm just it's one of those things that after two fights, I'm rooting for. Hopefully, it's only a small loss, and then it's like, oh, okay, actually, I actually win win money. Like that, that, that that's always a nice feeling of like, oh, yeah. actually, oh, 
Oh, I made. Oh, I made. Oh, I actually could make some money. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, NFL. Take NFL. That. NFL. I had. I had my best week in GPPs. In uh, in NFL, I got. I played sixteen lineups. Came in sixteenth in the power sweep, for two K. Uh, the, the, and at least at least hey Neil, at least we didn't get a week where like, your the cash lineup was okay seven million True. points. At least yeah. you didn't get that. No. We had a lot of like kind of like fine like fine plays were winning. None of them were like the players that I was super high on. Justin Fields, Devontae Adams, Joe Mixon. They were all plays that I was like, eh, if I get to around the field, that's fine with me. I wasn't like trying to get to more of them, but I also understood why all of them were good enough plays. I wasn't like these guys are horrible plays. Uh just I didn't have any lineups, I think, that had all three of Fields, Mixon, and Devontae Adams. And it was like you really needed at least, at least, definitely Mixon and Fields, uh, Devontae Adams, maybe was optional. I, I don't even know if he was in the middle because they had Tyree Kill, right? Uh, so maybe he wasn't. But uh, yeah, there were. Yeah, but I had Mixon and Adams lineups. I didn't have the Fields part. I right, I, that, that was oh, that was the main yeah. thing that I didn't have. Right, your lineups. I lo- I'm looking in the in the, in the Millie, like, like you, <laughs> like obviously I'm playing for the power sweeps and the spies and the red zones which are like 5,000 or less or 1,000 or less. So I don't have to get off the board. But always I look I look at your lineups and I'm like, geez. Like you you had, you had guys that like in my 16 lineups, I've, I've, not, I've like literally zero of whatsoever. But I mean, like we talked about last last time, like you look foolish until you're not. Yeah. Like, like had, did you, have you always played NFL this contrarian? Yeah. I have. Okay. okay. I, 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 I'm I, actually. I, I think I play less contrarian now than I used to. Like, really? I, I, Do you consider? This I mean, less I used contrarian? to play. Well, I mean, dude, you I had 22 really... AJ Dillon at 1.5 percent ownership. Yeah, that was. I thought AJ Dillon was going to be like. That was uh, maybe a little bit more contrarian. I was shooting for somewhere in the 15 percent range with AJ Dillon. I also thought Antonio Gibson. I, I thought one of these guys was going to likely have a big game with jd mckissick out i thought antonio gibson would have a great game i also thought aj dillon people were just you know just assuming that uh aaron jones is going to be the guy so you get aj dillon at an ownership discount which turned out to be true 1.5 percent owned but you know I, I don't mind going well over the field on a guy when i think they have a real path to going off and i thought aj dillon you know he has weeks where he nearly splits the workload with aaron jones and i thought this could be a week potentially where the packers just don't need to throw the ball like the previous week they had run the ball a lot they didn't really need to or i thought they weren't going to really need to throw the ball a lot against the lions i thought they would be in a great game script to just let's just run the ball down their throats and aj dillon certainly a capable guy and then of course he gets stuffed twice on the goal line aaron Rodgers throws multiple interceptions on the goal line it was just uh d- did not go the way i wanted it to in that packers game so didn't work out but you know he he had the goal line opportunities he had plenty of the workload uh just didn't do anything with it Right, just that I'm not I'm not used to taking like this even when I play large field contests like this heavy. I mean you still had some some of the chalkier pieces in. I mean it's like but I mean like cousin stacks, like you went you went off the board. And yeah. me like obviously I'm not playing for the Millie, so like I understand like I'm not going here and like like oh Neil, you're playing insane. It's like no, no, I, I get it completely. It's just that like to build so many lineups that are like totally off the board. Like I'm, I'm, I, I at least mix, mix in some or whatever. Like we take a look at even like, like the running backs, like, like you still have like, 
Stevenson, Etienne, you're under on these guys. You still have plenty of Aaron Jones. Right. You still have Eckler. You still got Ken, like I was way over on Kenny Walker and Joe Mixon. I mean that that definitely helped me. Yeah, um, I regretted my Joe Mixon stand. I mean, I, I didn't really take a stand. I was trying to be you know close to the field, and I ended up getting less and less Joe Mixon as I was getting into more other players. James Conner was another player that I was like right at the end. Oh, maybe I should get you know we we have confirmation that he's going to play now. Nobody's going to play him. He's in a great matchup, and we've seen. James Conner, a few games. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't even look like I got that much, but I was uh, getting less and less Joe Mixon as the day went on, and of course that was uh, regrettable. Right, like you're you're just so much more spread out. I mean, obviously I'm building 16 lineups. How much spread out can I can I really be? Like I I I mean, even in my 16 lineups, I played one, two, five. I played nine different stacks in 16 yeah. lineups. But the thing is, is that for my like running back exposure. All my all, all my rule was and for running backs was don't play Eckler, Etienne, and Stevenson together. Like yep. if I don't play them together, I could still play them, just don't play them together. And that's why I got Mixon and Walker more. But I still had three running back builds and I was building, you know, okay, here's here's my car lineup. Carr, Adams, Murrah, and every every lineup had a tight end attached to the quarterback. So it's like Carr, Adams, Moreau, Christian Kirk. Right, and then yeah. that, and then three running backs. As long as they're not all three, so it would be Mixon, Walker, uh, Aaron Jones. Okay, okay, that's fine. Or Etienne, Stevenson, and uh, Deonta Foreman. I had in like one or two lineups. So like, so yeah. I paired the Deonta Foreman with the Panthers defense. So it's like if I'm going to play the Panthers defense at chalk, I'm going to correlate Foreman with him, or like like something like that. But like. Like I, my best lineup was a Lawrence lineup, two sixteen. That's the one that came in sixteenth in the power sweep. Uh, so I was rooting for like, just like, give me, give me Lawrence, give me a Lawrence to Engram touchdown, because the score, the score that won that contest was two forty. So it's not like okay. I didn't need all that much, but that was that was my Lawrence Engram Cook Adams. Then I have uh, you know Walker, Stevenson, Mixon, Josh Palmer one off. Dolphins yeah. defense or something at one percent, and I'm like, okay, that's that's a that that's a lineup. It's like I have I have five yeah. percent on guys in there, a ten percent on guy in there. So it's like some of the guys on your list. I mean, Khalil Herbert. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, he was in a good I'm matchup. Hines. I'm like, I'm why? Why am I? I mean, just like why? I didn't play a lot of Naheem Hines. I, know, I, but, I think but, I included but here, him. In but here's some. the question, Neil, and this is a yeah. question that people will ask. Right, they probably asked on your stochastic shows, and I know, and I know the answer is that it's lineups, not players. That it's diversification, not like there's how big of a player pool do you have? Like, it's not a, it's not an answerable question. It's like you could build a plus EV lineup with virtually any player that has a reasonable projection of any type. Like, as has is going to take a decent amount of snaps. I mean, obviously, a guy that projects for two points probably you're not playing, but. Yeah. Anyone that's somewhere in the ballpark that you could build, but from from a even from a projection standpoint, like do you do you feel as if you're too diversified? And do you do you think okay? Because it's not a strategy question. That's why I have to frame it this right. way. Of like. You can build a lineup with any. If you want to build a Jamal Williams lineup, go. Go build a Jamal Williams lineup. You have some of them. Yeah. Uh, do you believe that you would be better off from a risk of ruin standpoint, from a 
exploiting the edge versus, you know, being more diversified mm. is if instead of saying like, well, instead of having 2.7% Naheem Himes, I just take that money, that 5,500 and just have a little bit more AJ Dillon at 5,700. Like just like instead of having 4.7% yeah. Brian Robinson at 5,400, you're just like, well, I'm just going to have, uh, I'm going to add that to Cordell Patterson for 400 more Deion Jackson or like, and just like, instead of going way down the list, like I'm building 16 lineups, I'm playing smaller field stuff. So I feel like, dude, if Antonio Gibson, if, if Michael, no, like, let's say Michael Carter, he was Mm -hmm. 1.2% owned in the Millie, which means in the power sweep, he was under 1% owned that if Michael Carter put up a 30 point game, it's quite possible that it doesn't even matter. Like, true. There's so, so few lineups that even have him in there, and they still have to fit all the other stuff in to beat me. That right. instead of me saying I'll take a shot on Michael Carter, like why don't I just have another? Uh, why don't Why don't I just have another Ramondre Stevenson lineup? Like as long yeah, as so the ownership fits it. Like, like what? Like for, I get, I get what you're saying. Like, why am I going too off the board? Is it? Am I uh, playing? losing EV by spreading out more? And I think the answer is actually probably yes. I, I actually talked about this on last night. I did the showdown show. And I think uh, I said, referred to myself as, I think that in that way, I'm sort of a nit. Like I'm like, a, I'm, it's a, a FOMO thing. Like I'm like, I feel like I need to play a little bit of all of these guys. And instead of just playing more of the guys that I really like, I play, you know, a few here and there of guys that I'm like, I could see it. You know, I play guys that I'm like, I feel like if, if this guy goes off, I'm going to be kicking myself because I can see a scenario where Naheem Hines has a big game or, you know, A.J. A. Dillon. I, I obviously, as you say, I, I took a bigger stand on A.J. Dillon. I felt more strongly about that one. I thought right, but, the but that, was great. That, work. But, Neil, that's the question I'm asking of, like, I, even when I'm building my 16 lineups, for instance, yeah. even it doesn't matter. Like, in NBA, I'll build 60 lineups. And I could, the, the number of lineups doesn't really matter. But yeah. as far as my allocation is, is that, like, like I, I look at it and I go, uh, like in my 16 lineups, I played zero Tyreek Hill. You know why? Because I wanted to play Devontae Adams at single digit ownership. So any yeah. lineup that Tyreek, and I wasn't playing Fields and I wasn't playing Tua, right? So like, I'm like, okay, if I was playing Fields or Tua, I can understand having Tyreek Hill in there because it's in the same game. But if I'm making bets on this Jags Raiders game and I think a 6% on Adams is a, for his project two points lower projection is a better play than a fifteen percent on Tyreek Hill, like in a lineup that I could fit an eighty five hundred dollar wide receiver, like why don't I just play Devontae Adams and spend the four hundred dollars on def- whatever the defense that you move up from there because I believe that in a vacuum the Adams play, if you want to call it, is better for my lineups in general. That like why don't I just play more of like if you would have told me I, that you would have going to play 35% of A.J. Dillon and you cut out like six of the running backs that you have like two or 3% of, I almost feel like if that, w- if that was your stance, like... Yeah, why take you- a stand on the one player instead of trying a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I do think that there is uh, merit to that conversation. I, I think that I might be spreading it out too much uh, by playing all these guys. And it really is, it's more of a FOMO thing. It's It's less about my EV as it is like, I, I want to play a little bit of all these guys because like this is a guy that I could see it. I could see, you know, this guy getting 
you know, one percent ownership and scoring thirty fantasy points. Uh, like there, there are yeah, a lot of a number of those guys. But the, the point I know, I know is that it may not even yeah. be necessary. I, I get that it's not necessary, but it's not always about what's necessary. It's also about you know, if a guy at, who is not owned in a tournament at all scores a hundred fantasy points, that player is not necessary. Obviously, if if nobody has him, he's not necessary. But if you have him, that's a huge help for you. So, like the fact that it's not necessary isn't the be all end all. Yes, that is. I get what you're saying. That is uh, an important factor of. If nobody else is playing them, you don't need to play them. But if there are guys that I think maybe have a greater chance of hitting a real ceiling than their ownership, then I feel like I want to get to some of those players. Uh, so I think that's why I, but I do, I, I agree with you with, or I mean, th the question you're asking, I think it's a good question. And I think that I probably am sacrificing some EV by playing some of these guys. Like I think Naeem Hines, I could have not played Naeem Hines this weekend. I didn't, I thought that there was a possibility, you know, he's a new shiny toy. He's in this new offense. Who knows? Maybe they're going to get him involved a lot, uh, but I didn't really need to take a chance on Naeem Hines. I didn't feel as strongly about him as AJ Dillon, as, as you can see in my uh, reflected in my ownership. So yeah, I probably could have sacrificed my Naeem Hines shares. Uh, I do play some guys that I'm like, yeah, I probably didn't need to really play him, but uh it's a, it's an interesting question. It's, you know, it's a millie maker. I take a lot of chances, but I think you, there is some merit to thinking about, should I just be condensing along a, a, among the guys that are contrarian, but I feel strongly about that. I, you know, really want to just take stands, take bigger stands on some of these guys than I already am. I think that is uh, certainly a good question. Right. I, I don't, and I don't think it's a strategy question to me from, from even just a lineup perspective of like, imagine Neil, you had a lineup that projected for X at Y ownership. And you believe that for the Millie Maker, the Y ownership is contrarian enough, mm -hmm. right? So at this moment right now, you have one slot left in your lineup, right? It's a wide receiver slot, and you have X salary, whatever, Z salary there, and you have 5,200. Like, why not play Josh Palmer? Like, what? Like, what? Like, do you have to, do you have to go? Like, you're already good. Like, so... Yeah. So why play someone? And even if it's not Josh Palmer, it's like, well, who's one point lower than that? Play that guy instead of like, well, I can play the guy that's three points lower than that that's going to be 1% owned. It's like, well, does that lineup even require that type of player? Like, just why why sacrifice the projection at all when your lineup yeah. already is good? Like, I haven't looked through your individual lineups, and I didn't right. mean to turn this into like a, let's, let's, uh, let's inspect uh, Neil's portfolio type of thing i'm asking the question because like number one it this is kind of the weird the weird thing of when eric was on the podcast mm -hmm. eric is a one to three lineup player and i'm like a typically a 20 to 50 lineup player uh and played large field contests but yeah. when it comes to nfl like uh, the only reason that i play the millie is because the millie is has so many bad lineups that even the lineups that I make for the power sweeper plus EV in it, even if they may not have the highest first place, I could build slightly better lineups, uh, but it's primarily because they gutted the slant. Like yeah. the slant used to be three times bigger, which means the amount of 150 maxers was only like 26 to 28%, and now it's like 50 to 60%, so I don't play it anymore. And then they have the flea flicker, which is 50K to first, and then a kick in the nuts to 10th place. So I don't want to play the $5 flea flicker with 150 lineups or whatever, 50 lineups. So I'm like, screw this. I'm just going to three max power sweep, both power sweeps, the $200 single entry spies for 100, 
the $200 double spy, the $250 red zones, and then the $33 five max. And like, those are my lineups. And then I just throw all those lineups into the Millie also for peace of mind. And there's still plus EV for those that it's kind of turned around where like, I'm almost like Eric now of like, like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have to, I could just cut off a certain projection number. Yeah. You and could go any lineup. Like I, like I had my lineups in my aggregate, at least the optimal aggregate was like 150 around there. Yeah. Uh, I was building lineups between 138 and 144, right? Depending on the ownership, right? Of the lineup. So the, yeah. So, so like I, I any really... lineup that didn't make 138, like I just didn't even consider. But in order to make lineups that even got 138 median points, like I pretty much needed to have at least one of Stevenson. Etienne or Eckler in like I need like I wouldn't play all three of them together for combinatoric reasons but like I gotta in order to raise the I'm not gonna play Leonard Fournette Kenny Walker and Deion Jackson on on DraftKings because then I would have to play like some type of Chargers stat like in order to raise the projection up to 138 and I figured for the tournaments that I'm in 138 with a certain ownership number is fine and once you're at that point, it's like I could eliminate 90% of the player pool because the, they're never going to be making lineups that could even give me a 138 projection. And right. you seem, you're building lineups. Obviously, you could sacrifice way more projection in millies. But right. without looking through your lineups, do you, do you I we, we talk about this in the course about building por, uh, portfolios. So this is in, in the advanced course. So go to theoryofdfs.com and pick it up. About if you're building a large lineup set, so like a 150 set, yep. that when I would do it for like NBA or even NFL, when I would play the slant, right? I'd play 75 lineups in the slant. I would build based on bands of risk. So the variance of lineups, meaning that picture baseball, the stack, the stat, the 1% don't stack, it's going to be optimal 2% of the time. So it's like, Oh, this is plus EV. But should you play 150 lineups of that? I mean, like, you can. It's just extremely high variance. So it's like, so I I look at bands and go, out of my 75 lineups in NFL, I want 10 of them to be maybe not the highest first place equity, but still pretty strong top 20% equity. And then Mm -hmm. the 10 lineups on the bottom are like, these are the lineups where it's like, I got Naheem Hines in it. And I'm fading like Ramondre Stevenson. And I'm like, this is the lineup that's 60% total owned and sacrificing 16 points in projection. I still have as a plus EV lineup, but I'm only playing 10 of those types of lineups, 15 of those types of lineups. And then I'm playing 15 a little bit above that and then 15 a little bit above that. So I have these bands of risk rather than like, here's 150 lineups that are all high variance in all different ways. Like, like I'm really like... Like they're all high variants, but they're all high variants in different situations. So it's like I'm not like going eighty percent on Brian Robinson or something, but I'm kind of playing that type of play in like all of my lineups. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're you're building a very high variance portfolio set. Yeah. In multiple ways, and and I try to build. I try to build for first place. I don't think that I do any. I don't think that I try to make too many lineups that are just aiming for min cash equity. Although I will say last weekend was probably the closest I came to that. I played a lot of the chalk with Tony Pollard and some of the other uh, more be- better 
chalk options, and it was my best week yet. So maybe maybe I am taking on a little bit too much risk. Also, but, the chalk uh, hit like nuts last week. I mean, like that 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 can't just yeah. go by one slate there. But true. But it, but the difference being, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this at you. I'm, I'm actually asking you questions this week. Okay. Right. Even though I'm talking more still, it still it still works out that long way. questions. Right. Yeah. NFL, you do this, but NBA, you don't. Correct. Yeah, because NBA is... So in my opinion, NFL is not nearly as projectable as NBA. Not even my opinion. I think that's just factual. You know, NFL is more projectable than MLB, than MMA, but compared to NBA, nothing is nearly as projectable as NBA. So yeah, NFL, I'm building a little bit more uh, for higher range of outcomes like thinking more about like the, the range of outcomes i think for basically any player is so much wider for nfl so i'm trying to look at you know what is a player's ceiling and what is their likelihood of hitting that ceiling rather than looking at their projection more so i i adjust projections quite a bit in nfl and less so in nba uh, by the time i'm done messing with projections uh, sometimes they look pretty drastically. I mean, like AJ Dillon, I gave a pretty big bump to his projection to get to over 20% of AJ Dillon. My first crunch, I got to 0% AJ Dillon. So I, I make a lot more gut calls in NFL. Typically, I'm still trying to play enough chalk across the board that I'm most of my lineup should be about two thirds chalk and then a third contrarian plays just based on the exposure levels that I get to. It might not always work out exactly that way, but I'm still playing a good amount of the chalk generally. In NFL, I'm just uh, taking a lot more chances on guys that I think, you know what, I think this guy has a pretty good chance of hitting a ceiling and he's not getting much ownership. I take a lot more of those kinds of stands in NFL than NBA. Why don't you have FOMO in NBA then? Why don't I have what? Why don't you have FOMO? Why don't you have oh. this this guard, this, uh, you know, Jade, uh, Jade and Ivy, overpriced $7,200 Jade and Ivy. Well, I mean, he could score 50 in this game. Like, why don't you have Sometimes him I do. Him and, Sometimes like, I do. Sometimes, there, but not as much. Not, I mean, I look at your stuff in, in NBA, and your 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 150 set looks much more similar to to Adams or Steve's or like it. Yeah, it looks much. It looks much like oh, okay, you have 86 percent of the guy that you probably should have 86 percent. I mean, like right. like, but in in, uh, but I also don't see the the. Well, what happens if Kelly Olynyk goes off on this 12 game slate at 5800, and it's like. Yeah, he's two percent owned, and you know how much of him you have? Zero. You just have none. Like, right. like, like. It seems like even on a on a twelve game NBA slate, like you have much less players in general in your pool than you would have on a, on an NFL slate. And yeah. yes, you're right because the ranges of outcomes are much narrower in NBA. But I'm talking just about the psychological reason you mentioned FOMO, the fear of missing That's true. out. Like he's yeah, like, well, that- what if? Brian Robinson or Naeem Hines has a I get to play NBA game. I think that's the answer. I get to play NBA every day for months and months. I only get so many NFL slates. So I'm I get geared up for NFL. NBA is just kind of like, ah, this is another NBA slate. I'll but isn't that a leak? Isn't that how you're not supposed to think? Probably, yeah. Okay. okay. At least <laughs> you can admit that. I have right? Yeah, no, I I have leaks. Yeah, in, in NBA I also uh, I do a lot more in terms of like late swaps. So I think that factors into my exposures. I'm in NFL, you don't really get as much late breaking news that's going to change what you're doing. So I can just play the chalk and sometimes uh, hope for some some news to break my way in late swap. Uh, I also do have I had I had a slate earlier this year where I ended up uh, assuming that 
Jamal Murray was going to be out. And so I had a lot of, was it Bones Highland maybe? Uh, I forget who the, and of course I had like 20% of him and he didn't play a single minute in the game, even though Jamal Murray was out. So even though I got the news I wanted to, um, I don't know. So I, I do take risks here and there in NBA when I think there is news coming that could break my way. And, um, you know, it's, but in general, I just, I, I don't think you need to take risks like that unless you want to take risks for the purpose of like late swap. And I did the same thing last week with the Timberwolves versus Milwaukee. One of the last games of the night, we had Giannis questionable. We had cat or sorry, Gobert questionable. We had ant questionable. I was like, I just need one of these guys to be ruled out. And by leaving some salary and room to play this game, I'm going to be in a great spot. And of course, all of them played and I, my lineups were basically dead anyway. Um, so it's just a, it's a different game. There's a lot more thought to, late swap in NBA and the way the projections change. And you can just trust the projections so much more in NBA just because there are so many more plays in the game and it's not really based on, you know, individual plays accounting for like 50% of a player's scoring for the game. Right. But I, I, I combat FOMO by leaning on my, on my poker background of like, since, since I was primarily a cash game poker player, like it's just, it, it's just one long game. Right, it's like sure. if I'm down tonight, what like what is the difference between the hand that I play now versus the hand that I play tomorrow? Like it's just one long game. If I'm if I'm in a PLO game versus if I'm in a low limit hold'em game, like it's it, if I'm playing seven card stud, you know, with seventy uh, three year olds or whatever, like it's just all the hands are the hands, and it doesn't matter what format or anything. So to me, like when people are like, oh, you only have eighteen weeks of NFL, it's like. Well, I also have soccer and MMA and NBA and, and like it's 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 just another it's another slate no matter what the sport. Oh, tonight is showdown. Okay, like it's it's yeah, just yeah. another format. So like I don't look at it as oh I gotta do something. I don't have to, like I'm not trying to change the way that I play DFS because there's there's less slates of that specific it's also so for me it's it's more entertainment like i think that nfl for me is the most entertaining and i know that when i'm building my lineups i'm gonna be spending the next nine hours of my day i guess that that's including showdown too so i'm gonna spend the next six hours of my day watching this play out and i'm gonna be actually watching all the games which i don't do for other sports um so i think that there's that aspect of it too just like i know i'm gonna be watching the game i'm gonna be tracking this throughout the day so maybe that's part of the reason i fomo is more of a concern for me with nfl than nba um, yeah, I, it, but do you think I that's think good? that you, should, you should, should, should you be working to get rid of that? I should. Yeah, I should be. I, I, I acknowledge that as much. I acknowledge as much on, uh, the showdown show that I did last night or one of, one of these nights. I do so many, I don't remember them, but one of them I talked about like, yeah, you know, I'm kicking myself. I'm not getting to any Mitchell Wilcox and <laughs> like, should I be kicking myself or not getting to Mitchell Wilcox? Probably not. But, uh, I still do have some of that. FOMO and probably you're, you're right that I should be getting rid of some of that and just being like, you know what? I can just not play Mitchell Wilcox. There are other players that I feel more strongly about who are also getting very little ownership who I actually think have a better chance to put up a ceiling score. So I, yes, I, I do think that it is a little bit of a leap to have FOMO just to, to or to let that play a role in my decision-making. I do. I do think well, I, I found a way to combat FOMO is to play less lineup. Like the, sure. thing, the thing about talking to Eric like two years ago when we started the podcast where he's like, I'm playing, he's like, I'm playing one lineup. So it's like, well, you, you got to make a decision and you got to live with it type of thing. So like when, like when I play soccer DFS, I typically play like three lineups, five lineups, maybe. 
right? One cash lineup, one like small field GPP lineup, like two or three large field. Like I'm not, I'm not doing much. And it'll be like a five game slate. And it's like, yep. oh yeah, this center back could score, like could score a goal in a set piece. And for the large field contest, if he does score, you're probably going to need him, but it'll happen two or three times a season. Right. So like, do I do that this slate? Like, do I need to do this? No. I'm building five I'm building five lineups and I'm not playing contests where like dude you may not he could score a goal and you may still not need him. So it really yeah. makes me think of okay, who do I what what lineups and who do I think is like the bit my biggest edge on the slate and then go I'm going to build my five lineups this way. And if it happens to go the other way, then I just let then I lose and then I then I could go on to the next slate and but when yeah. you have like 50 lineups, you almost feel as if well, because I have so many lineups, like, yeah, I could play this guy in that one lineup. I could play right. whatever line. And then then you start getting uh, analysis paralysis in the yeah, future of, like, like why why not identify the highest edge situations yep. and then just, just hammer it? And that's why it's funny when, when people compare, like, uh, EV or, like, 1% buckets. ROI are, like, 1% buckets. Like, it's different if you're playing five lineups a night versus five... 10 lineups a night because you're going to make worse lineups if you're making 100. Like, I definitely think that I was a better DFS player when I was hand building 10 to 20 lineups as opposed to playing 150. Uh, and I actually I actually did do that towards the end of MLB season. I had just a brutal MLB season, as you may recall this year. Did not go my way at all. And towards the end, I was sometimes playing 30 lineups, 40 lineups. And I would, then I would lose the uh, paralysis and I, I would just like be like, okay, I'm just going to play five-man stacks of these three teams and just like spread out across these three teams being my five-man stacks and then have different, you know, three-man stacks or, you know, maybe not even secondary stacks. Uh, so I, I did do that for MLB. Uh, and I actually, this year I'm playing less NBA. I'm playing playing the days generally where there is no NFL, but I'm playing fewer lineups. And I do think that that does help. Playing fewer lineups does help to eliminate some of that uh, that FOMO there. It's just like, yeah, you can't play everybody. You got to just play the guys that you actually think are going to do well, as opposed to like, I could see it. You know, you, you play the guys that like, no, I think this is going to happen. Uh, so yeah, I think that that is a, a good strategy. If you are having trouble with FOMO in one fifty max, and it probably does make sense to play fewer lineups. Right. And that, I mean, that's, I mean, I never play, I really rarely ever played one fifty to begin with. But, right. But even in baseball, like I didn't feel the need to like, Oh, I need to play every stack. It's like, no, like who, what do I think are the most under-owned stacks? I'm just going to, instead yeah. of throwing in one twin stack for the hell of it, it's like, well, I'm just going to play another Cub stack or what I mean, like, just, yeah, like that's. And I, I, I got better about that this year, about not trying to play every single stack, uh, just in general. I used to play, I used to literally play every single stack. It would just be, you know, relative to the projected ownership and their odds of being the top stack. I would try to get some of everybody now I'm finally like, you don't really need to do that. I can just pick out, you know, a handful of my favorites. I still spread out, I think, a lot more than most, probably more than I need to. Uh, and, it, you know, it probably does make more sense to take the approach of just figure out who is who are the best stacks on this particular site and spread out. And even, you know, among those teams, you can get to a lot of different stacks. So I, I do think that's probably generally the better approach long term. If you're only using blunt methodologies, that's... Well, you kind of have to do if you're if you're using more precise methodologies, then you could be like, well, out of 150, this this stack should only be played three times. So you only play it three times. Like, I mean, if you're doing right. a much more balanced approach like that, then I can understand. But if you're doing it, which is what I do for MLB, you know, I set caps, individual caps on each stack uh, to add up to around 100 percent, although I 
tend to be not not quite exact, but some sites that'll be like I look at each stack, look at their you know look at the uh, the boom bust tool, the or the top stacks tool, look at the projected ownership for that stack and the odds of being the top stack on the site, and then set a cap on each stack you know based on that. Trying to play exploitatively is generally the way that I approach MLB, and it worked great for me last year, and then this year. Uh, wasn't working for me and I switched up what I did and what I switched to didn't work. And I think it just kind of comes down to variance. I think there's a lot of variance uh, in every sport, but MLB in particular is just you win some, you lose some. And this year was just uh, not a great year for me. Right. But I, 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 I'm enjoying myself a lot more playing less lineups. Like I, 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 especially NBA, like it's like I'm playing, I'll play four lineups like that, but, I'm just going to play four lineups and that's like, uh, uh, or, or an NFL, like, you know, six, okay. 16 lineups. That one I played this, this past week, I played a cash lineup on DraftKings. I, I did well this week. This was the first week I actually lost money on props though. Uh, by a little bit, like minus 15%. So not, not okay. bad. Uh, and primarily cause the Falcons will never pass the ball. And no yeah. matter how low the props go, I'm still next week. It's over Drake London, over Kyle Pitts and over Mark, uh, Mariota and just I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on doing that until I make my money back, uh, <laughs> <coughs> but uh, the cat there there was gonna be such a big cash train this this pat this 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 Sunday this past Sunday on DraftKings that I thought it was a great week to exploit triple ups and quintuple ups so I made that on on Sunday morning I'm like I can't pass this up. Like so, I just I entered I I on DraftKings I had like twenty seven hundred in cash volume, and I had uh, what six eighty seven. I ended up with seven hundred dollars worth of like three mans, five mans, triples, kints, stuff like that. Because everyone like I, dude, there was like one lineup that like was duped like by a quarter of the field in double ups, and of course it's the lineup that I played, right? But once I saw in that, double. I'm like, well, so many people are gonna pl- be playing the same exact lineup in the triple ups and quintuple ups, so. Sunday morning after 11.30, once the projections updated everywhere, I aggregated everything. And then I just said, how much different can I get from this lineup while not sacrificing as much projection? And I found a lineup that was a 6v6 off of that lineup that was only two and a half points lower projected. I saw you talking about this on Twitter, and I thought uh, you had an interesting conversation with, I think it might have been Anthony Miko. I'm not sure if it was Anthony. Somebody on Twitter was saying that for that approach to work, maybe you need to be uh, targeting actually good players, like pl- predictable players who right. tend to be better players. Right, because uh, I want is, them is to do it. Five, it's, but it's not for head-to-heads. Yeah. Head-to-heads, you'd never do it. It's more of... Tra- if, right, I could find, for the... if I could find three-mans, like I would literally go in the three-man lobby and see the twos out of threes and then go, is this two people I know? Yes, enter. Because it's like, yeah. it's quite possible that both of them will have the same exact lineup. And that's yeah. death in three-mans, right? Yeah. So in triple-ups, I'm going to the 31-man triple-ups and then hitting the entrance button, 16 people, and I look and I see the names and I go, yup, 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 yup. And I'm like, okay, this is the one thing. Because I know that it all comes down to, can I beat the train or can I be- can I not beat the train? But when I beat the train, if I get 3X my money or 5X my money, then I don't mind sacrificing points. And then right. uh, someone else on, on Twitter, uh, I, don't, I forgot his name, also did something similar, but did, played a lineup that was a 4v4 off of okay. that that projected for slightly higher and it was it was a lineup i it was one of the lineups i was looking at of like it's a 4v4 and then once i saw that there was an additional 2v2 
for only a quarter, like a three quarters of a point lower projection. I'm like, I think that extra 2v2 is worth it off that lineup. I just want to get as different as possible. Give me as many bullets to beat that lineup as possible and then play that in the trip. So I took out all of my lineups that I would normally play in triple ups and quintuple ups and I just exported and just this one line and it beat the, beat the trade by seven points. Do you think you could, instead of looking at the names, just look at the icons? Like, are there enough people with, like, the SaberSim icon or the Stochastic icon where you could just be like, this person's going to play the optimal? No? No, no. I mean, it's it's more of, like, the regs. It's more of, like, looking for, you know, the BK readers and the McLovins and okay. those types of people. of just The names. Right, yeah. the names. But only in triple ups. And, like, you're doing it. Right, right. It doesn't I, work I, in double ups. Right. I, hi- I highlight this on, on the pregame show on Roto Grinders. Because people misconstrue it like, oh, I'll do this in double ups. Don't do it in right. double ups. Yeah. You know, you have to you get paid more than you, what you want. And also, you have to be able to predict the lineups. Yeah. Right. Because what what what's like? I, I I had one person. This was maybe this this was back in baseball. Uh, was like I, I'm trying I'm trying to do what you're doing, and I'm turning out to actually end up with a lineup that's chalkier. Like what they're doing is like, oh, I'm gonna run the optimal. And then I'm going to get a 4v4 off of that. And then they're finding out that their 4v4 is actually the duplicated lineup. Huh. And I and I go, well, like, you have to be able to predict what the lineup is. Right. Like, like well, because what they were doing is they were running the bat optimal. And assuming that the bat optimal is what everyone was playing. It's like, are you sure everyone's playing that? That you're in the, your contest? It's like, no, they're, they may be playing something else. Right, you have to figure that out first. Then right. whatever that lineup is, which takes experience, you need to be able to see over time what people go to. Which I don't. I mean, I I don't know. I don't play these contests. I assume that generally, though, some people are just playing the optimal from an aggregate or from one source versus another. Is that kind of generally how how you generally know, or... and also and also it's all based also a little a little bit on touting. I knew, okay. I knew in cash on DraftKings that the three running back build would be Eckler, Stevenson, Etienne. Even though Mixon yep. projected well, and you could build lineups with Mixon also that didn't have Josh Fields in it or something. Uh, there was a cut that the, the aggregate optimal was technically Khalif Raymond, Al, a Josh Allen lineup. Uh, hmm. But <clears throat> I knew that people were playing Eckler over Mixon. Like p- some people would play Mixon, but he'd be like 15% owned in double ups. while Eckler would be 50% owned even though the aggregate optimal didn't have Eckler in it. So now what I have to do is go, well, I know Eckler's going to be played, so I lock him in and then run it. And then I go, uh, no, people are playing Foster Moreau. They're not playing Evan Ingram, right? Or they're or they're not they're not playing Brock Wright. So I lock in Foster Moreau. So it's like once you start, lock, they're playing Amon Ross St. Brown. Don't give me a lineup without Amon Ross St. Brown. Even though there's a lineup that's 0.2 points higher median projected without him. Hmm. That has like Godwin Lockett and Palmer. There was so one lineup work. like that. It is some work to figure out what other people are going to play. Right. It's, it's always close the to the aggregate. It's, it's still close yeah. to the aggregate optimum. You're not finding a lineup that's way off, but it's like, I know this is what people are doing. And then it's right. like, okay. But this isn't something that I could step in and do your what you're doing. Like somebody like myself who doesn't play cash wouldn't <laughs> be able to quickly figure out necessarily the lineups that these guys are playing. This is something that right. you probably need to be playing some cash games first to figure out what lineups people are likely to run. Right. It's the likely cash line. And, but you, you yeah. could say the same thing for GPPs. My biggest skill sure. in GPPs, I 
I still believe, I mean, every, pretty much every week. I mean, I, I, do I have to get hired by people? I mean, like, I look at the ownership around the industry and I go, everyone has it wrong. And I don't understand how they don't adjust it. Like, like one thing I saw in, uh, in some discords was, uh, wow, Josh Fields is like twice as owned as ev- all the projected ownership. And I said, yeah. Why didn't you change his project? I changed his project. That's the re you know, the thing is people played fields. This is what I saw. I played fields thinking because he was good leverage at 6% owned. And I said, you know, the reason why I didn't play fields. Cause I thought he was over owned at 14%. And he goes, yeah, yeah but how did you know he's going to be 14%? It's like, cause I changed it to 14 because I knew people were going to do, I like, like, Dude, I didn't see that one coming. It, it made sense that it that it would be higher. Aaron Jones, another one. Yeah, like there were several sites that had Aaron Jones at twelve percent. I said, nope, yeah. he's he's twenty percent. He ended up coming in twenty four, but I'm like, he's twenty percent owned. Like, how would yeah. you know that? It's like, dude, do you listen to shows? Like, he projects well enough that he's in that mix, and everyone wants to fucking play him. It's like everyone's talking about Aaron Jones, and I'm like, okay, I think he's overall. Haven't we had the conversation before, though, where you said you had a conversation with somebody at DraftKings and they told you, like, what, less than 10% of people had heard of Rotogrinders, which was the biggest site at the time? So, like, how many people are listening to shows? Yeah, but that's what they're thinking. That's it. It's a byproduct, okay. right? It's a byproduct sure. of <coughs> any, <coughs> anyone that thinks in a casual way is going to, th- I mean, it's very easy to look at that. I mean, like, right. like, why Aaron Jones it, against the Lions made sense. Right. Yeah. Like, for instance, I, uh, people had Foster. I, I, there was one side that had Foster Moreau projected at 14% ownership and Evan Ingram at 10% ownership. And I changed Foster Moreau's ownership down to six and Evan Ingram up to 18, right? Which was more like what's going to happen. And like, why did I do that? Said because Foster Moreau was not talked about all week. The only reason why Foster Moreau became into play is because we found out on Saturday that Derek, Derek, uh, that Darren Waller was probably not going to play. If Darren Waller plays, Foster Moreau is not even owned, right? Right. So it's like, how many people are reacting that quickly to that on Sunday? Not right. nowhere near you, what you think. And if you take out Foster Moreau, most people aren't clicking on the one of the tight ends for the Lions, especially one with a Q tag on it. So I'm like, True. who are they playing? It's like, well. The number one name that I I heard on multiple podcasts was Evan Ingram, and he pro- <coughs> in that cheap tight end range, he's still he's up there in the projection. So I was like, people are gonna plug it, plug it, Evan Ingram, ninety six percent snap share, whatever, and be so I got to adjust ownership based on that. Like people are not rational. People are in these bubbles and they think that like oh everyone's like us, right? I I yeah. I, I, I Neil, I I hang out everywhere. Okay. I'm primarily in the Roto Grinders Discord because I'm part of Roto Grinders. Right. But uh I'm in the bl- I, I'm in the Blitz chat at the Roto Grinders thing because a lot of people blindly play like the Blitz Optimal. Right. And over the course of a long period of time, that's probably profitable in cash games. Right. Uh but it would so many times if you're just gonna be in your own bubble, you're gonna be like, wow, I didn't realize so and so was that gonna be that high owned or something. Like, yeah, well. Because not everyone's in your bubble. So, like, in looking through the aggregate optimal, like, the aggregate optimal with Allen was at, was an Allen Raymond lineup. And I'm like, I'm not sure how many, I think, from what I could tell, 
People are, people are playing Justin Fields in cash, right? He projects well enough. He's a running quarterback and he's 5,300. And Josh Allen just so much higher, more expensive than that. Aaron Rodgers projected better point per dollar wise than Justin Fields for like what, 600 more? Aaron Rodgers was in, was in one of the aggregate optimals. But people aren't clicking on a fucking Aaron Rodgers. Like people don't want to play this guy. Right, he was chalky in GP. He was chalky enough in GPPs, but not in cash games. Right, they yeah. love the Russian quarterback. So I'm like, okay, people are going to be playing Fields. Then once you lock in Fields, dude, it's the lineup. Like, there's no like you're getting Stevenson, Eckler. You like as long as you, if you if you're using the blitz projections, the Mixon was actually two points higher than any other projection system. So you were getting a Mixon lineup instead. But any other mm-hmm. if you're using ETR, Daily Roto, any anywhere else. Stochastic. Like you were getting Eckler in that lineup, right? Yeah. And you're getting Palmer, Eckler, you, whatever the, 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 the dupe train collusion lineup, that's the lineup. So once I saw that, I went into the Blitz chat like late Saturday night and said, I don't know what you got because people were talking about, do we play Drake London in cash? And I'm like, please, please don't do this. Uh, I mean, feel free to, if you want to, but whatever. I just posted. I said, here, I plugged in my lineup. I was going to play the Fields lineup. And double up. So I said, whatever you're doing, whatever you do, I didn't say to people to play it, but whatever you're doing, just realize that this lineup that I'm showing you right now is going to be like dupe like 20, by 25 plus percent of the field in whatever cash contest you play. Does that so what I'm hearing play? is that Roto Grinders is the collusion chat. Right. You're posting lineups for everybody. No, but, the, but, the, you know, but you know what I saw in the ETR discord? Someone, someone posted that uh, Blender's tweeting out our, uh, the ETR lineup. <laughs> right. Number one, I didn't tweet it. And I just posted in the, it's not the ETR lineup. It's right. That like, that's the bubble thing that I'm talking about. Yeah. Right. Like get out of your bubble. Like you're not, you're the, you're not alone in your bubble. What, what, I don't right. know what, what I'm trying to come up with the title of this goddamn episode. Like what, what, <laughs> what would you, what portable. would you call something where like whatever is happening in your bubble probably is happening in other people's bubbles also. Hmm. Like, cause, cause the point that was being made, I saw in, it's on the ETR discord is like, like how are people getting to our same lineup? Like even after the slate locked and everything, it's like, wow. Your bubble's of, not that special. That's what right, I'm hearing. Right. That's what I'm saying. You're not you're like, you're not that, maybe you're not that special. Yeah. yeah. You're not that special. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I, I, I like insults as uh I know you do. You're not that special. Like I, I did the Twitter spaces because I do on Sunday Sunday nights with with Dean to sweat. I still don't get Twitter spaces. I'll never I'll never join you for your Twitter spaces because okay, I don't understand don't, them. Whatever it's it a, doesn't record, right? It's, it doesn't it record. Does, it does, but I mean it's a. Oh, it does. It's, yeah, but it's mostly a just live audio. Okay. <laughs> but Dean Dean didn't even play cash games this past week, and and Dean guessed both my FanDuel and DraftKings lineup. Wow. <laughs> or it's like a one v one off, but it's like, like, dude, if Dean could put it together, right? I'm not saying Dean's an idiot, but it's like he wasn't studying what a median right. lineup looks like, like or anything. Yeah. He's like, what are the best point per dollar plays? How do I fit them together? And it's like, yeah. oh, if you play Fields, you're probably playing Moreau at tight end. You're probably playing Stevenson and Etienne at least. Uh, since you're paying down for Fields, you probably paid up for Eckler. You're playing Amon Ross Saint Brett. Like, you, once you start piecing them together, you play Josh Palmer. And it's yeah. like, either you played Godwin or Lockett. And I'm like, okay, you, you're good. And then you go to FanDuel. It's like, well, do you play Allen? Yes, okay. Then what do you fit? I mean, like, 
it's not hard to come up with this that you're not special. You're not, yeah. you're, you're really not that special to to do that. So it's not like oh, people are looking at one thing or the other. And that and I see the difference in the bubbles cuz I'll go into the blitz chat and people with just the blitz will go everyone's going to play so and so. And I'm like like no, he's 7% owned. Said, yeah, but he pops so much in the blitz. And I said, yeah, but everyone doesn't use the blitz. Right? right. And the same thing for ETR. I mean, I, I'll i go to ETR and I'll see their ownership projections. They'll say some guy is 26% owned. I go, he's going to be like 15% owned. He's like, well, why do we have, why do they have him at 26? Because they have him two points higher projected than anyone else in the industry. Right? They're much higher on that guy. Right? So they, they all have, they, I think they had, uh, someone had Taquan uh, Thornton at like 8% owned. I'm like, yeah. he's going to be like 4% owned, right? In the milli or something like that. And that's what he came in like, what, 3.5% owned or something like that? It's like, because the only people that are even considering Taquan Thornton are people that are looking at projecting systems. Like, I like, dude, no common person is, is clicking this name at all. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not paying down here. They're not, they're not. Yeah. And especially with the Ramondre Stevenson ownership getting even higher and higher. Yep. Like they're not playing a receiver with the with the running back on the on the, the Patriots, if anything. So you gotta adjust you gotta adjust that ownership percent. And people just get shocked week after week. I yeah, and sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes I'm off on a player. We had that Miles Sanders week that I thought Miles Sanders would be ten percent and he came in twenty two percent. That happens sometimes. I mean, I, I was pretty shocked by the, the Justin Fields ownership this week. I didn't see it get into 14%. So I'm definitely <laughs> included in that. People who are in my own bubble, I don't really look at much outside of Stochastic. I don't really listen to many shows. Most weeks, I probably listen to zero shows outside of Stochastic. So I'm definitely guilty of being in my own bubble. And it's probably uh, a leak for, for me as well. Uh, someone, someone asked me uh, uh, earlier in the week, uh, like a Friday or something, uh, if Terry McLaurin was a good leverage play at 5,900. I said, no, he's going to be over-owned. And they said, but RG hasn't projected for like 6.5% ownership. I said, yeah, but it's going to be double that. And they go, yeah. well, how do And they, they literally said, how do you know? That surprised me too. Yeah. It didn't, But it didn't surprise me. That's the point that I'm making yeah. is that... I know, that, but we, we also had him low projected ownership and I was like, right. oh, Terry McLaurin against the Vikings with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. He's going to be this low owned. Then sure, I'm going to play some Terry McLaurin. And then he comes in, as you said, yeah, way right, over-owned but, like that's what I'm saying. Why don't people hire me? I don't want. I don't well, want to be. There's no scientific. That's method. why, because you're because you're not for sale, apparently. Well, I, I but I can't give you like numbers. I all I could say is that I could look at your numbers and go, yeah, based on based on human beings, like this is going to be much higher owned than than you th- than you think it's going to be. You're much lower owned, right? You take a, you take a look at some, that some of the some of the ownership here, and you go like people were projecting Zay Jones to be like twelve percent owned. I go, he's going to be like. Eight percent owned. Yeah, people don't click on these names. It's like you take a, you take a look. You go. I'm scrolling through some of these things, and I'm like, like I don't know what people are projecting this ownership to be. Like rationally, it makes sense, but irrationally, human beings aren't. They aren't. Right. Right. And people want people, people want to play want DeAndre. To. People see DeAndre Hopkins getting 16 targets or something, and he's 7,900 against the Seahawks, who have an awful defense. So they're like, okay, they're going to play DeAndre Hopkins, right? They, I mean, so that's going to go yeah. up. And then everyone's playing Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer was projected for like 23% ownership. I laughed yeah. at that. I said 30, easy. Like this is this is easy. 
Uh, people had Stevenson at like 32 and Etienne at 30. I'm like, this is going to be like 40 and 38 or some, something like in that range. And But the thing is, I'm changing it. Right. So people are looking at my lineups going, going, well, you played this guy and this guy and that guy. It's like based on the, and then they compare it to the ownership that they have. And they go, doesn't that seem too chalky or whatever, or too contrary or what? Like not according to my numbers. Right. right. It's like, how, how did you, how did you play Mixon over that? Like, yeah, because I, because I knew Mixon would be 12% owned and not 18% owned. It's like, why did, like the, it's the same thing I said before about Fields. When people are literally saying, uh, I wouldn't have played Fields if he was 14% owned. And I go, yeah, that's the reason I didn't play Fields. Right. Right, because I knew he yeah. would be about 14%. 12. I had him at 12, but I had like 12, 12 to 14% ownership. And they go, well, how did you know? It's like, because, dude, he's going to be in the fucking cash game lineups. Yeah. Like, no, I, I would have full faded Fields at, at 14% ownership. Definitely would not have been getting there. Uh, you know, you, you asked me on a recent show if I don't think about this stuff independently of the ownership projections at all, probably a month ago. And I've realized a couple of times since that I was like, <laughs> I actually do think about ownership outside of just the ownership projections, more so in other sports. NFL, I really struggle with trying to figure out ownership a lot of the time. But like NBA, I'm definitely thinking about like, yeah, I think the ownership is going to be about here. Uh, and, I, and I look at the ownership projections pretty closely to see what stands out to me based on like what my priors would be like who i would think would be getting ownership based on salary and stuff and i definitely do think about it uh in certain spots separately from just what the stochastic ownership projections are but certainly not to the level that you do where i'm looking across the industry at what everybody else is doing i'm i'm more just like i think that this is people don't like this guy or people do like this guy and they're going to play more or less based on that and i think i sometimes can be pretty good at figuring out where the ownership projections are not exactly right, but uh, certainly not as advanced as you are, where you're looking at everything and yeah, listening to shows much, and figuring NBA out. is much harder. And dude, the daily sports are much harder because there's, there's, there's very little time decay. Yeah, true. Like, the, like there's no anchoring. Like the reason why I'm very good at doing it for NFL is because people look, it's, it's a weekly thing. So it's like, what are people looking at on Tuesday? What are people looking at on Wednesday? And it's like, the further away it is, the more and more people will anchor to that. So yeah. that's why I, that's why by default, anything, if something happens Sunday morning, be more inclined to jam it than not jam it because yep. people aren't going, to re, aren't going to react. So if you listen and you look across the industry, early, Tuesday, Wednesday, first look stuff and <coughs> the, the, the more mainstream podcasts that have, you know, all I, all I would hear is like Aaron Jones, and Travis Etienne, because now he has a full workload. And Terry McLaurin. Everyone's mentioning the Heineke thing with Terry McLaurin. And Amon Ross St. Brown it still has a great target share. And then, then I mean, you, you, you look through all of that and you're like, well, how is this going to change by Friday? Like, did anything change enough where you got to jam someone in? No. It's like, and then then Saturday, it's like, oh, Damien Harris is probably not going to play. So people love playing Ramondre Stevenson, so I got to bump that. So, what's the what's the thing that I heard a bunch of times with Joe Mixon? Inefficient. The Bengals suck without Chase. Be careful. Right. Right. So I'm playing a ton of the Bengals. Right. I'm playing Burrow stacks with Higgins, and I'm playing tons of Mixon. It's like, well, based on the projections, Mixon should be 18% owned. 
People don't want right. to click on Mick. They, people want to click on Aaron Jones, right? right? Even though he projects lower, even though he's more expensive, people want to click click on that. Or, or they look, Mike Williams is out. Uh, DeAndre Carter is questionable, right? Keenan Allen's out, and they go, Austin Eckler, 7 million targets, right? 26-point implied total against the Falcons. Horrible defense. Got to play Eckler. Like, you... you you get anchored to these things that, like, even if information comes out on Friday and Saturday, people just, they've already built their line. They've already mentally determined what they want to play. So it's like, yeah. it just gets more and more like that. So you have to, to me personally, you have to adjust. To me, you have to adjust for that. Like, there's, yeah. there's, there's no reason. It's like, well, people can't fit in these stacks and do this. Like, well, they'll try. I'm telling you, they're going to try. Like, the 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 only surpri- the only surprise of the slate that got me on ownership was Coral Patterson. Yeah, he came in way higher than I was expecting. I thought that late news and just like he's been out, I thought nobody was going to play him. Right, he was eleven percent owned. I I I think I think I had him at four. Yeah, I, I saw that touchdown and I was like, oh hell yeah, I'm definitely over the field on Cordell Patterson. And then of course I was well under the field. So yeah, that was uh, disappointing. <sighs> yeah, just looking through some of this ownership. But I mean, the thing is, when I adjust ownership, I don't have to get like everyone right. I mean, I'd like, I'm not right. adjusting Mike Gesicki's ownership. Like, I'm just like, it doesn't doesn't matter to me, right? I'm yeah, not, just not the outlier. The ones that are getting a lot of ownership or very little ownership that are clearly wrong. Right, right. I could just look at it and are clear. And also, sometimes they're clearly wrong just simply based on projections. Right, right. Sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to run 300 lineups with some type of stack. Right, some type of correlation, and let's see what shows up. And I'll run every set of projections. I'll run RG. I'll run stochastic. I'll run four for four. I'll run whatever. And it's like, dude, like, dude, you're getting a lot of. There's a lot of evidence. Like, dude, it, unless you adjust Foster Moreau's owner uh, projection to reflect that Waller is out, like you get a lot of Evan Ingram. Like I'm getting a lot of Evan Ingram. I'm getting a lot of Evan Ingram in the tight end spot as a one-off, or I'm getting Etienne Ingram lineups. I'm getting a lot of Lawrence Etienne Ingram types of lineups. Like maybe Ingram's not going to be seven, eight percent owned. Like, like, like the projections say this. The, the, like, it's like why, like why are we projecting Kyle Pitts at fourteen percent ownership? He's not going to be fourteen percent owned. Like, like why? I don't. I. He doesn't fit. Like he literally doesn't fit into enough lineups that you. And no one's playing Mariota. So, like, what the fuck is going on? Why is... Kyle Pitts came in at 8%. But yeah. I, I saw 14, and I'm like, no, that's Engram's ownership. We, we had Kyle... Stokastic had him at 9.7%. He came in at 8.7%. So, okay. not that far off on Kyle Pitts. Right, because right, I'm aggregate. Like, with the ownership, I'm just aggregating across. I'm, like, looking at the numbers. Yeah. Going, you know, that, that's... Uh, yeah, that's wrong. That's... But, yeah, but when you adjust it, you have to adjust it for everyone. For... Uh, I can't just say I'm going to take uh, Evan Ingram and add and take him from eight to sixteen. I have to take the eight points off somewhere. So typically, I'm looking in that range of a thirty-three hundred dollar tight end. It's like okay, I got to take a point off, a point of ownership off of Cole Komet, a point of ownership off of uh, uh, whatever in the thirty-three k like that, right in that range. And then there you go, and then. Then you go and you go to Aaron Jones at, tw- at seventy four hundred. So once once I added, uh, 
uh, basically doubled Aaron Jones's ownership projection. You know who, who got a, a decrease in ownership? Josh Jacobs. Because he's 7,300 and he's sitting right there. It's like, if he's more owned, that means Jacobs has to be less owned. Fournette has yeah. to be less owned. Walker has to be less owned. Basically, anyone that's not Stevenson, Etienne, has to be less owned because people will go Stevenson, Etienne, and then Jones. Or then Eckler. Right? That yeah. type of stuff. And that's why I played a ton of Kenny Walker. Like, this is the guy that's going to get squeezed out. Right? So, I mean, like, I don't think what I do is that complicated. Yeah, it's probably, I mean, it doesn't sound all that complicated. You're just, you're doing a lot of research. It's a lot of work. You're looking at every different site and playing around. I'm literally listening and reading shit. Okay. I mean, that's all I'm, I mean, all I'm doing is, is like, okay, oh, the new article at ETR came out. Let me peruse this, right? Yahoo Sports article, CBS article, something, you know. The Fantasy Footballers podcast. I, I, I'll leisurely put it on while I'm doing something else. Yeah, I'll just no, that's true. Hit not names and whatever. I'm like, okay, they're talking a lot more about this than that. And I'm not logging it down. It's just seeping into my brain. Yeah. <clears throat> and then on like Saturday, I'm looking at these ownership projections. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Right? It's just, it, this doesn't seem right. Like, this is going to be much higher. Like, that's why I said the field stuff. It's like, like people are playing fields as leverage. Really? Right. But it's very similar in baseball, Neil. We've, we've done it in baseball where even on a daily sport where people at 3.30, 4 o'clock, 4.30 Eastern will look at a top stacks tool, a slate IQ, something like that, and go, wow, the Twins are under-owned. And it's like, yeah, and everyone will look at that and go and play the Twins. It's yeah. like this, uh, They may be actually... Properly. I actually think that I think that that is part of the reason that I was I did so much worse at MLB this year than last year. I don't think that was a thing at the beginning of the season last year. I don't think people were looking at it as much. So I think that I was looking at the top stacks tool, you know, half an hour before the slate when I would start my MLB stuff. And I think that early in the season last year that worked great. Like that people people had not really caught on as much. For it. But then by the end of the season, I felt like it was oh th- this stack that I thought was going to be well under owned came in over owned and like it i think that's part of the problem is that this year i sort of uh didn't work out quite as well uh with the with the people playing right. a especially bit in this sports year, like that especially towards the end of the year who's playing mlb dfs a lot of basically hardcore degenerates true that might be it too it might be later on in the season you're running into more of that issue right and nfl yeah. you have so much casual participation yeah always that, that it's not gonna it's not gonna matter that much but like for the for the, the less the daily sports, like you you're gonna b- baseball that's gonna happen. It's like anyone that's playing the 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 GPPs in MLB in in, in mid August, is probably looking at tools that you're looking at also. Yeah, that's a good right? point. That's, that might be part of the issue. But you have to adjust for that. That's why you you adjust and you go. And sometimes the the slightly overowned team is actually ends up coming in underowned. It's like oh right. everyone's gonna play the Yankees today and like. No, everyone's going to think that the Yankees are going to go over-owned and they're not going to play enough of them, right? Right. Right. And and that and I see I see that in uh in not as not as much of that like meta third level game in in NFL so much only cuz yeah, like but you have to adjust you the thing about the ownership is that you have to adjust for two different types profile of players. You have to adjust for the sh- for the sharper projections focused players. And then the casual talking point narrative player. So, like, to me, Aaron Jones and Terry McLaurin are the 
narrative yeah. based. Like they, it's not like they project badly. It's just that they project one or two points lower than other players in that range. So if you're just using projections, you're actually not going to get that much of them, and you're going to the ownership is going to look like it's low. Right. But on the other hand, you have this entire casual player base that it's like, get on board the Terry McLaurin train, right? Get yeah. on board the Aaron Jones train. He's riding off into the sunset. Like you have to account for those people also. Yep. People listen to the footballers and drastically changing everything they think week to week. Yeah, it's a, it's a good segment of the or player re- pool. recency bias in general. Like so it's, a yeah. lot of times, it's just recency bias of like, oh. Aaron Jones, like they almost phased out AJ Dillon. And it's like, oh, Aaron Jones against the deep the Lions? The worst team. Like, dude, every podcast, worst DVOA, worst DVOA. It's the course field of NFL. Right? Yeah. Gotta play got the Russian running defense. I mean, gotta play guilty. Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I said I also love AJ Dillon, which people did not listen to that, and uh rightfully so. Apparently, I mean, he had his opportunities, but uh, right. did not. Yeah, yeah, but had you known the snap count, obviously, uh, Aaron Jones got injured. Right, your 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 exposure looks much more sharp than playing a twenty five percent on Aaron Jones. Right. Yeah. So in hind in hindsight, actually, you look like the smart one. Yeah, it uh, still didn't work out because. I mean, I mean, AJ Dillon was getting the goal line work. He had the two goal line carries even before Aaron Jones got hurt. I think Aaron Jones got hurt in the second half. Right. Um, but no, yeah, I know when I had when I, was, I had Aaron Jones in four lineups. When I'm lo- looking on red zone, Packers have the ball on the two yard line. I'm like, okay, here comes the Aaron Jones touchdown. I'm like, what the fuck is 28 doing in there? What the yeah. fuck? Right? See, I'm like, I've always been like, well, why don't they just always give it to AJ Dillon? Every time I've watched him play, it's like he's an automatic at least one or two yards. Like he's just like, you can't stop him. He's quadzilla. You can't stop AJ Dillon. And uh, of course this time when I'm way overexposed to him, he just gets stuffed at the one yard line twice in, in three plays. No, but so everyone else like, is thinking, why don't they play Aaron Jones? 90% of snaps like Christian McCaffrey. Right. Yeah. Right. Like why? And maybe they, they should. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <sighs> did, did you see that uh, the Colts fired Reich? I don't have any. I've seen that people are thinking that he's a scapegoat. I don't really know much about Frank Reich or uh, the the owner Jim Irsay or I don't no, know. But, no, no. The more important thing is they hired a guy with no coaching experience. They have zero uh, play calling experience on their coaching staff now. Right. Is what I read. They've literally which zero is, play calling, which experience. is hilarious. They, yeah, that'll they, be interesting. And, and they have head coaching experience on their coaching staff, but they're hiring, uh, you know, their 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 former center that. The most experience he's had was high school coaching where he had a 500 record. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch, I guess. I don't know. They got rookie quarterback. Nobody who knows what they're doing on the coaching <laughs> staff. It'll be a wild ride. Just take defenses against the Colts, I guess. Uh, we have to wait for the Colts and the Titans to face each other now. That'll be fun. Malik Willis did not look good. I'm uh, I'm shocked to see that the school that uh, what's his name Jerry, uh, I just I just watched this documentary Jerry the uh, the preacher guy who uh, Falwell? Uh, Fowler Falwell Jerry Falwell the president of Liberty oh, oh, University. Oh, did Sam Ellinger go to Liberty University? No, not not that Malik Willis went to Liberty University. Oh, Malik Willis went to Liberty University. Well, that's what happened. Yeah, trying to come up with a joke related to, of course, he, he's a fraudulent quarterback coming out of Jerry Falwell's school. Right. 
and they don't even have him running. Yeah, not not nearly to the extent they should be based on his college stats. But look at looking at that game in the first half, they might as well dressed him up with like like a butler's uniform, and just all he does is get the ball and he and, and there's a little platter and he goes yeah. here's Derrick Henry, take it. Yeah, <laughs> like like he's not the quarterback. He's the guy that just gives the ball to Derrick Henry. Yeah, more or less. Why don't if they're gonna if they were if they were gonna do that, like why not just not even line up? Like, why even have a quarterback? Yeah, just direct snap to Derrick Henry. Direct snap to Derrick. Well, you want to have a quarterback because if if you didn't see any quarterback there, then they just put like ten guys in the box. I mean, like, like yeah. no one's throwing the ball. There's no even. What's the point of even covering the receivers at that point? Yeah, but th- I mean that game. That game. Uh, it worked in the first half only because the Chiefs had to account for maybe they will pa- maybe this time they will pass. Yeah. And then they found out that oh no, they're actually never going to pass. So we just never have to care about the pass. Yeah. They had a, they played a full 60 minutes that and no receiver had a reception. That was so weird. That was yeah. Never seen Dude, anything like Kendall that. Kendall Hinton had more receptions in that game with the Broncos during the COVID period where they didn't have a quarterback cuz didn't Kendall Hinton Hinton had He was the quarterback I thought in that game. No, he was the he was the quarterback. I mean, he was a wide receiver playing the quarterback, but I think he still completed three passes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think they only they only threw the ball like maybe seven times, and he completed three pass like something. And even even the the game that like the Patriots when Belichick ran the ball, like like when Every they time. only threw the ball three times, I still there was still one complete pass. Yeah. No, this was. Unexpected. I definitely did not expect the zero passing in that game. Yeah, it was. You didn't was have the Malik Willis captain lineups. I think I did. I did have some Malik, but I, I also, uh, I said on the show, I was treating him like they're going to start running the ball with Malik Willis. I thought maybe they're going to learn, like, oh, what we're doing isn't working. Maybe we should use this rushing quarterback uh, to rush sometimes. And he had a couple. He had at least one early on good rush, and I was like. Hell yeah, it's working out for me. This is exactly what I anticipated. Can play Malik Willis at captain without pass catchers. Maybe he's just going to keep doing this, and that did not happen. Seemed like he was just scrambling behind the line of scrimmage, running the wrong way every time he was trying to run, just like running back towards the wrong end zone. It was it was not fun. No, it looked like it like it just it snapped the ball, and no receivers are open. I don't know what to do. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah, no exactly. receiver was open in a second and a half. Just, yeah. I don't. Lost, absolutely yep. lost. Like just first read, that's it. Nothing else. Yep. Hopefully he'll figure it out. But yeah, didn't well, look what good. Doesn't matter. I don't care if he figures it out. I mean, I don't. I don't really either. He's not. <laughs> he's not on my Why team. Why do you have to be nice? <laughs> Why, oh, hopefully he'll figure it out. Who cares? What does it matter? It doesn't matter to me. Am yeah, I rostering it, him? No. So don't, what do I care if he figures it out? I'll play the defenses against him. Sure. Yeah, I suppose. Hopefully he doesn't figure it out. Misplay the defense against him, right? Or not, or or if I'm not playing the defense as a guy, I hope he figures it out a little bit, but not to the extent where he gets a lot of points, and not to the extent where the defense gets a lot of points. Right. You're just yeah. rooting for whatever, 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 whatever your selfish reason is. That's it. I mean, that's true. Ultimately, I'm always I'm cheering for my monetary interest most of the time. Right. Right. Didn't, didn't I, I listened to the the the, uh, the Wiley episode? Right. Like yep. you recently had uh, at uh, Wiley on. It's like. When, when he said, it's like, oh, I'm clicking the like button on, on your screenshot or whatever. But still, it's like, like, I'm not really, I'm not like excited. Like, like, I'm not rooting for you, but it's not like, oh, okay, it's, it's I, if anyone, if it's not going to be me that wins, 
Neil's a nice guy, and yeah, it's nice. That's how I feel about right. A but, lot of people, but the yeah. people like, dude, I care about me first. Of course, right. If I see you yeah. win, I'll be like, you know what's only what, what would be better than this if I fucking won. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, absolutely. Hopefully, I win, and then you know, you win some other contest. Is generally the the ideal thing. The people that I'm cheering for, I want you to win a contest that I'm not in. No, with the same no. lineup that I'm winning the big contest in. No, no, but that's not no. Truthfully. I'm rooting for the bad players to win. That's a good point. That is that is better long term for us. Right. The bad like if I game. if I see the, the Colts, right? Oh, yeah. he won the hundred k, whatever. Steve. I ain't getting that money. Yeah. Right. I want to see some bad players win sometimes. I want to see you know the, the random you know Justin and seventeen let numbers with the the, the with no experience badge with one yeah. lineup or whatever. <laughs> Right. I was hoping I was hoping for a Justin Fields naked lineup to win yesterday. Like that'd be all right. Just somebody who has no correlation in their lineup. Just a Justin Fields naked lineup. Looked like it was going to be optimal for a while. I was like, that'd be an all right Millie Maker winner. And then of course the guy with uh, the double stack ends up winning, which I think was a was a good play. That was, was kind of contrarian to play a double. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I'm saying I want the bad play. I want the bad player. No. To win. Yeah. No. Right. So I, I'm I I'm actively rooting against you. It's just like yeah. it's just like in showdown contests, right? If I don't win, I want the most dupe train to win. Yeah, I want the circle jerk on Monday to be so large, you know, <laughs> worldwide circle jerk. Should that be the title? <laughs> worldwide circle jerk. <laughs> I wouldn't. Yeah, that's a good title. No, I mean, not, I don't know. Maybe get. Uh, it's not good for YouTube, I guess. Yeah, that's good. Right, point. you want the circle, right? When when four hundred sixty eight way tie for first, it's like if I lose yeah. the slate because of that, I'm perfectly fine. Right. Congrats. Yeah. When when you when when you when you lose the slate because you're a one v one off of a like a even a three dupe lineup that wins for you're like I could have had that lineup. Yeah, I could have had that lineup, right? Yep. Uh, Neil at Player Q DFS. Uh, so you're doing the high stakes podcast every other week now, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, probably going forward just every other week. And you said Adam, Adam is st- has still not come on. Adam has still, he, he has said uh, uh, various times, oh, maybe I'll have to do the show now. Uh, jokingly in passing, I don't think that he has any real interest in doing the show, but maybe one day I'll, I'll get him on. You can't get the, you can't get a person that's at Stochastic to do the interview show that yeah. you do. I mean, he he is already salaried. He has no incentive to come on the show. It's just extra work for him. So, uh, but it's, it's like, fun to talk about DFS. I know. I know. I, I agree. But uh, You'll get no salary he, for coming on this show. True, and I yeah, I I enjoy talking about Diva. He came on this show too, but uh, you know, right? He came, yeah, I, I, he came on this show before he came on your show. Yeah, I know. I don't know. That's Doesn't bad. It's not on. good team building. I, I haven't asked him in a while. Maybe I'll ask him again at some point. Right? Do people want to hear from him? I think people do. People would love to. I mean, I've had several people. Why don't you have Adam on the show? Why don't you? So yes, people do want to hear from him. Okay. So so who's who's who, who your upcoming guests? I don't think I have anybody lined up yet for next week. Because uh, you can't use yeah, the backup plan anymore. I know. Well, I can use so, I so mean, now. Tech, I, I want to have. Can. You could always have me on again, but what the hell fuck's the point? Yeah. No, I've I've got a few people. I think I think uh, Greg would be willing to come on. Eric would be willing to come on. So I've got some some stochastic guys that I want to have on at some point, and I haven't asked them because I'm like, well, I can use them as backups because I think those guys would be amenable to a short notice. But yeah, we can find some time. Uh, right, so or, I, or, I, I save I save the guys that I know. That I can count on. Right, so. you open up your phone, you dial one eight hundred Eddie. Been talking to uh, to Peter Overzet about trying to come on, but he's just very busy the days that we have been doing it. So maybe I'll have him on, try and reschedule for a different day, uh, one of these weeks. 
So you're really you're really broadening your the the definition of high stakes. <laughs> I mean, it's always been it was always kind of a, a misnomer. Like it was like I don't play high stakes. I never really planned for it to be just high stakes players. Um, yeah. So why don't Why don't you just Why don't you just call it stakes? <laughs> That's a good, good, good change of stakes. Yeah. Harder to find, I guess. I don't know. That right. was uh, now you you spell it with the ea and you just call it stakes. Ooh, I like that. Right. Yeah. Or hot. No, Maybe have no. a little steak while we're talking. No, you have Alex on. You still you call it high stakes, but it's high sta- it's high stakes, <laughs> and it's really a cooking show where Alex Baker and you cook steaks while while you're while you're smoking pot. I love it. I'm in for this show. Steaks. Have you seen the video of oh man, Baker? Alex had some video that he played between stochastic shows at one point that he made like. 20, 15, 20 years ago, like college, college, uh, Alex, uh, doing some sort of baking or I can't remember. It was, I, it was I, funny. I don't but even I, know I, what you're talking about. No, I, then I, right, and, and I, I can't describe it well enough that anybody would be like, yes, I know what you're talking about. So, uh, I just remember the Baker's dozen, he called the Baker's dozen. And it was, uh, I wonder if it's on YouTube somewhere, but okay. funny show from Alex a long time ago. Okay. Similar cool. concept. Let's get out of here. We have, uh, probably the worst slate in, in NBA DFS history tonight. I'm not playing. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, dude, you took it right at, like, I, I looked at it and I said, I ain't doing this. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I, I'm just, no. like, this, this is, this has gone too far. Uh, good, but for the, it's, it's the, what, you know the reason why it's the worst slate in NBA DFS history? Okay, it's 15 games, right? Because they're playing all the games, because there's no games on election day. Yep. All the games, so that, number one, you have 30 teams all with the injury reports of questionables and whatever. So that that's a pain in the ass as it is. So to have 30 teams to deal with like that. Okay. I could deal with that. Fine. You want to give me that pain in the ass? I could do it. But they, you know what the kicker is? All the, the games timing? start 15 minutes apart, literally seven o'clock, seven, yeah. 15, seven, 37, 45. So you will not get starting lineups or anything or news. Like, it's not like, like if it was the type of thing of five games start at seven, four games start at eight, four games start at nine, then it's like, maybe I would yeah. have considered in the waves. The projections team better not go to the bathroom tonight because they right. need to be at their computer at all times to update immediately in these 15 minute increments. Right. So that's the reason why I like, I, 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 I feel, I feel so much better about myself. Right. I'm yeah. not like Mangone. I'm not like a no days off type of person. I do. I, I always say. Take slates off. You don't have to play all the slates or everything. But when yeah. I saw this, I'm like, I mean, dude, it's a it's a great slate for DFS having the most amount of teams and had so many combinations or whatever. But it's like, do I, is that what I want to do? Like from seven o'clock? Like I mean, from- to be clear, the reason I'm not playing is because of NFL. I would 100% be playing this slate if not for NFL. Oh, but I'm okay. just like, so just I can't do that. I'm going to be on the show. Yeah, yeah. Now me, I just, I mean, I, even if there was no NFL tonight, I'd be like, Fuck you. Fuck you with this 15 minute increment. Like yeah. I, I ain't, I ain't. It really this. takes up your entire night. Cause you can't get away from your computer. You can't like really take a break, go have dinner. Like on usual, usually NBA sites. Like, okay. After the first lock, there are sometimes games half an hour in, but usually you have the news before you kind of have a little break before the next real, uh, right. Typically, typically eight o'clock, typically between like eight and 10, there may be like one game that's at nine or nine 30, but outside of yep. that, typically by eight o'clock, more than half the games have locked. And it's like, you're waiting on news in like the three, 10, 10, 30 games. And that's yep. about, and you have like a nice, you, you, an hour period of like, 
you really don't have to look for anything. It's like, okay, that's fine. But this, this is just stupid. Just like, yeah, I get it for the NBA purpose, but for DFS purposes, it's just like, no, no, fuck this. Like, yeah. like I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch the, I'll watch, I'll, I don't even know if I'm going to make NFL lineups. Maybe I just, I just take off tonight. Right. Oh, wow. Why? What's wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, no, I'm, I do, I'm I do have, no, no, the thing is I do have props though. Oh, so, okay. technically, so you have technically, something. That... Right. So I have something. Right. So I, 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 I'm probably after this, I'm going to go and let's look at more, see if there's anything updated with all the, the news and stuff with the uh, prize picks and underdog. I'll do that. Like that, yeah. that's what I'll do. And then, uh, then tomorrow, if, you, if you're listening, if you're listening to this before tomorrow or at tomorrow, whatever, uh, go vote and vote Democrat. There you go. That's the, <laughs> and they're, they're going to be people that I, I'm unsubscribing. You, I, oh, I can't. Yeah. You're some mad listeners. <laughs> right. Who cares that they should, yeah. they should already know. They should know just based on your timeline. Uh, I, don't I really mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not overly, I don't post no. overly political anything yeah. like that, but, uh, but yeah, but in t- talking talking to people, uh, uh, yeah, most most people are idiots when it comes to voting or anything like that. I mean, because I like I've 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 my my wife's family members are the type like my 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 family different story, but I it's 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 hard it's hard to it's hard to come around Neil to people that uh, that uh, get get welfare and food stamps. And then vote Republican because they're against government handouts. Right. Right. And yeah. Like, it's a little like, bit. Like you use more critical. government programs than anyone, anyone yeah. else for most of your life. Like why are you, why are you, why are you getting, and, and, t- and it's typically because, well, those other people are getting this that we're not getting. Yeah, it's people who have the concern of they don't want people to get things undeservingly. They care more about let's make sure that people don't cheat the system than like, yeah, but you're talking about people, people that cheat the system. Yeah, I, yeah. That, but that's the thing that that's what always gets, you're talking to, like like my but not 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 to make this a political podcast or anything, but my argument is always when it's like, uh, I don't like the student loan debt. It's like I don't like the fact that those people got bailed out and I didn't. I said, well, has the government? How about how about your food stamps? How about your how about your how about your your Medicare? How your Medicaid? How about like, well, well, those those are things that I I I want I want. I said, said so why don't why don't you vote for the party that's more likely to give you more things, right? You, yes, you're right. The student you didn't have any student loans because you didn't go to college, right? And these people are getting yeah they're getting relief on that. Said so why don't you vote for the party that if they're going to give them relief, then next thing you know. You're gonna get you're gonna get paid maternity leave when you have a baby. Next thing you know, you're you're gonna get they're gonna be more benefits for you rather than the party that's more likely. You know the benefits that you currently have, they want to take those away, right? Right? So, oh, they would never take those away. No, that's literally their platform, <laughs> right? So why are you voting against your own best interest? The to the rich people, I I don't blame. Right. The, 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 my attitude is is that if, if you're voting in your own best interests, I can't blame you, even if I don't agree with yeah, them. That's totally fine. Yeah. Right. If you if you if you if you you have a fifty million dollar net worth, and tons of real estate and blah 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 blah, and you want, well, I want less taxes. I don't want to pay for the roads or the schools or I don't have kids. Yeah, that makes I sense. Want, I I can't I can't argue that is your best interest. Like. Right. 
right? It's selfish, but I can't blame you for that. But yeah. it's the people that don't vote in their best interest that I, I, I do you not vote in your own best interest. Like, yeah, they, they want to be part of that cult. They want to be part of the cult. Maybe that's their self-interest. They're in they the want bubble. To belong. They're in the bubble. They want to belong to that bubble. Yeah. Right. They're in the bubble. They, they think they, you're not, you're not that special, right? Your bubble not is that not special. that special. That's right. So go, so go out and vote. It's your, it's, it's, I, you don't have to, but it's, the more people that vote, the more, the, the better it is typically. Uh, yeah. And if you're not going to vote, and since there's no NBA DFS on election day, you might as well go and listen to the Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com.